0: Today, on It's Time. Sometimes when they can't, and they don't know who God is, they will find you, and you can point them to salvation. I hear the calling, it's time. It's time.
1: It's time. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler
0: the Bible, people that claim to have some kind of an understanding of whose side you're supposed to be on in eternity, and they didn't just, they just didn't get it. These who have turned the world upside down have come here. I, I would pray that we continue to do that. I pray that we continue to turn the world upside down. What has been, you might say, status quo in the religious community We go in by the power of God, and not just for the sake of disruption, but for the sake of truth, cause people, challenge people to look at the Bible in a different light than they've looked before. You know, it's really probably one of the things that I have to overcome quite often is being, I've been a Christian for a long time, and because I'm around most of you, we all have the same camaraderie or the same understanding or the same belief, basically, uh, of the bible and we might vary a little bit different on a few things in the new testament but but it's it's you know like should we baptize three times forward two times backward kind of thing you know it's not, not the point it's not important but i get around people and i kind of think everybody that's in the christian world sees it like you and me do well, why do we come to that conclusion? Well, because we line, read line upon line, precept upon precept. You can't get really very wigged out if you teach and study the Bible that way. But what happens is, I every once in a while, I'll get around people who think that, well, and they'll call themselves Christians. Well, all people are going to heaven. Why wouldn't everybody go to heaven? Uh, In fact, doesn't the Bible say that every knee bows and every tongue confesses that Jesus Christ is Lord? So if every knee bows and every tongue confesses that Jesus Christ is Lord, that means everybody's going to heaven. I've had people tell me that. And I go, what did you just do with the rest of the Bible? You have to either completely discount it Tear it out, white it out, tear the whatever. However, you, we can never, ever build a theology upon a fragmented piece of a verse. If we're going to look as an example, when people come to your door and they say, "Well, do you know that Jesus was just a man?" And they begin to very cleverly go through the New Testament and show you where Jesus was a man. Well, See, he was born of Mary, and, and Jesus wept. Shortest verse in the Bible. That, that tells you he was human. So this talk about him being God is simply not there. Really? Well, what about Matthew chapter 1? Where his name, when he was born, he will be called Emmanuel. That's, we always sing that song, you know, at Christmas time. You know, Emmanuel, what does that mean? in case people got it goofed up, in the Bible it says, which translated means God with us. Oh, well, they cleverly don't show you the verses of Jesus' deity. They don't want you to see John eight fifty eight before Abraham was, I am, or any verses in Titus chapter 2 that speak of Jesus being God. They, they don't show you those verses. So what they do then is they take one verse or several verses and build theology upon it, rather than looking at the other verses that bring the balance that, yes, Jesus was 100% man, and the Bible says he was 100% God, and how you can be 200% of anything, I don't know, but he was. That's the way it works. So, understanding that. Where that then leaves us is that when you begin to bring in, you might say the Word of God, which for many Christians is a whole new concept, fresh ideas of what, what are you talking about? I'm a Christian, but what are you saying to me? Well, I'm telling you what the Bible says. Huh. That's funny. i never heard of that book before. You know, I mean, that kind of thing. Well, when you really get into start sharing the Bible with people, it's sometimes a whole new way, thought, process. They, they're not used to that. And so when you come across their ideas where they build entire theologies upon a fragmented piece of a verse or a verse that maybe could mean that or whatever. And again, we've talked about this many times before. Look at, you know, baptism for the dead, for instance. The church at Corinth was a really messed up church. They were Christians, but they were goofed up. And Paul, loving that group of people, wrote 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians to them to help them get out of the quagmire, the false teaching that they had allowed themselves to fall into. And when we get up to chapter, and by the way, they they changed communion into kind of a drunken party thing. Uh, they, they had taken the gifts of the Spirit and and it was completely, it was a carnival in church. Uh, they were allowing... Uh, This guy who was carrying on an illicit relationship with his stepmother in the church. I don't know, maybe she was a younger woman, married his dad or something like that. And here he's probably lipping on her in church. We don't know what the whole details were. But he said, you guys are all sitting around congratulating yourselves on how loving you are when you really ought to remove this guy. Because he's going to bring in that mentality into the church that this kind of behavior is okay. And so he says, put him out of the church until he, he repents and gets out of this. Because there's protection in the body of Christ And as long as he's in here Enjoying the protections of God God really can't deal with him As he would like to So they put him out of the church The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians He repented and came back Which was very good But another one of the things that they were doing Is they were baptizing for the dead Where in the world they got that We don't know And even Paul himself says Why are you doing it? Jesus never taught on it. It's never anywhere else in the entire scriptures. It's not even in any, any um, you might say, books written by Josephus, early church historian, uh, a kind of a, a guy that wrote about a lot of things during the time of Christ, who just wasn't there. Even Paul says, why are you doing it? But you'll find churches that'll say, look, we baptized for the dead. See, it's in the Bible. And you go, where? And they show you 1 Corinthians 15. You go, no, 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 no. That is a corrective letter. And if any book in the Bible, you're going to try to get doctrine from a group of people like the Corinthian church to establish normal Christianity in your life. (laughs) The Corinthian book of Corinthians is the last place you want to get it. The book of Corinthians is a corrective letter. Paul says, these are the goofy things you're doing and you need to stop doing those things. And so we ask them, why are you doing it? So the point is, these guys that have turned the world upside down have come here. I guarantee you, you be about your father's business. You're going to turn the world right side up. It just is going to happen. That's all the way there is to it. Because it's going to cause some to get extremely angry with you, as we find here. But it's going to cause others to believe like we find the Greeks and some of these others that believed in what Paul was telling them. So remember, being a Christian is not signing up for a popularity club. In fact, as I really study the scripture, it's really funny because Jesus would do things to make people go away. You know, nowadays we do all kinds of things to make people come. You know, we'll have all kinds of fundraisers and all kinds of goofy stuff going on most of the time. It doesn't have anything to do with church anyway, but they, they do it Anyway somehow trying to either make money or get their name out or whatever. I, I'm really amazed. And Jesus, he'd he do just the opposite. <laughs> you know, He had literally thousands of people following him one time. He had 5,000 men. We don't know how many women and children were following him. And he looks at the crowd... Well, and, and then there was 4,000 following him the next day. And, and anyway, so he's got all these people, women and children, crowds of, you know, eight to 10,000 people following him. And Jesus looks at them all and says, this is after he gave them all, all you can eat, fish and chips. Remember, he multiplied the loaves and fishes, all that kind of stuff. And he looked at them all and he said, unless you eat my body and drink my blood, you have no part of me. And they went, whoa, fish and chips is one thing. Eating you, something else, we're out of here. <laughs> and the Bible says... Everybody left except just the disciples. Now, I can just see them going, you know, Jesus, you, you could have worded that a little better. You know, we had a big crowd, we we're doing good, we were styling, and then, you know, I mean, everybody can have a bad sermon day, and but that was one that, you know, I mean, earlier, eat my blood, you know, eat yeah, what were you doing there? Well, everybody left. Jesus did that. To get them all to go away. I, I'm amazed. See, this is the opposite. They, they will, will tell people anything they want to hear. You know, you know um, um, you're know, you so good looking. Yeah, I know. And now about that sin thing, don't worry about that. It's just a little, you know. You know people get their ears tickled. Jesus would say things to make people go away. I'm, I'm just so amazed. What a difference. And then Jesus looked at the disciples. And he said, are you guys going to go away too? And Peter... Notorious for sometimes putting his foot in the mouth, but every once in a while he'd get it right. He said, Lord, where else would we go? You have the words of eternal life. That's true. Where else would we go? You know, Jesus, we see you do a lot of really neat miracles. We see you do a lot of really cool things. I hear you say some things sometimes that are kind of weird and I don't get it, but I'm staying right here. I like that. You see, God's not calling me to understand everything that he does. He's just calling me to hang with him. Jesus said, unless the branch abides to the vine, you'll bear no fruit. Now, here's the truth. Just a little while later, Jesus is in the upper room with his disciples. And he said, how I long to eat this with you. He holds, holds up the bread and he breaks it. He said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Holds up the cup. He said, this is my blood, which is shed for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And I can just see the disciples go, oh, that's what he was talking about. Back with the loaves and fishes when he said, unless you eat my body and drink my blood, you have no part of me. This is what he was talking about this night. Wow, that's cool. See, the rest of the people, they, they didn't care. They, they, the thought of cannibalism just grossed them out. Like, We're out of here. Well, you know, that's true. That's just the way it is in our Christian experience. So you, you, you're walking with the Lord, and you're doing good, and God will say something to you that seems to be a little hard or unreasonable. You know, you've been going out with this guy, he's not a Christian, or this girl, that's not a Christian, and really, you shouldn't be going out with him. But God, he's really nice and everything like that. And God says, yeah, but you shouldn't really be going out with him. And, 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 and so we go, well, I don't understand why you're saying that because he's really nice or she's really cute. But I'll do what you say. And then God can bring the right person into your life. Or God will reveal to you what the real nature of this person that you thought was so wonderful really was. Prayerfully and hopefully you find out before you get entangled with them and marry him. Happens sometimes. You see, understanding that, God has a better way of doing things. And when God says something, even though, just like the disciples, unless you eat, you know, when they heard him say, unless you eat my body, drink my blood, you have no part of me. And I would be better off to just say, okay, Lord, I'm going to stay with you. I don't understand everything you're doing in my life. And friends, my hand is up. I don't understand everything God's doing in my life. There's a lot of rough edges. There's a lot of things that I would like to have seen happen in my life. They haven't happened. But I can tell you this, that I know God has called me to stick with him. And that's what we do. There's always a worldly way of solving the problem or a way of getting away from what Jesus said. Well, unless you eat my body, drink my, let's, let's, yeah, I'm out of here. Yeah, again, let's go to Denny's. Let's go somewhere else. I Don't, really like, that sometimes. don't, want, don't like that idea of, of uh, eating blood and stuff like that that Jesus said. That's not good. Disciples stuck with him. They understood what he meant. That's what will happen. In your Christian experience, God will say something to you, you may not understand it tonight, you wait, you'll see why God told you the way it is. Well, they turn turned the world upside down. Friends, again, I pray that we do that same thing. We continue to turn the world upside down. Uh, what the world says is status quo and normal, we say, no, it's not, it's a lie. And I guarantee you, the words of truth always, always, always resonate in their souls and in their hearts. They hear it because they know it's a lie too. They just want to believe a lie. Verse 7. Jason is what they told them has harbored them. And they're all acting contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying there's another king. It's King Jesus. And they troubled the crowd and the rulers of the city when they heard these things. Again, a mob operating illegally, They went and seized him without a warrant or, you know, any centurions or anything like that. They just went down and seized him, drug him out of their house, took him down, threw him before the magistrates. Really, the magistrates should have said, you know, you guys didn't have the permission to do this. You're going to jail instead. Notice it says, verse 9, so when they had taken security, we don't exactly know what this, but it was some kind of, some type of bail or something like that, from them, Jason and the rest... They let them go. Now, again, they couldn't get their hands on Paul and his companions. They grabbed the next person they could find. Sometimes that's you, sometimes that's me. If they can't grab a hold of Jesus, they'll grab a hold of you. If they can't make fun of God, they'll make fun of you. But I'll tell you something else sometimes when they can't and they don't know who God is to find because they have a problem, they will find you and you can point them to salvation. Well, Verse 10, we're, we're not going to get through all this tonight, but I'll just read a couple more verses here. Then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. Now, this is kind of important here because they went by night. Now, you say, but Mike, you don't understand. These people were men of God filled with Holy Spirit. They were miracle workers and things. Why would they have to sheepishly go at night? Well, I believe it's wisdom. <laughs> I, I think sometimes if God says, go in the daylight, you go in the daylight. I think sometimes if God says, if you can get back out of the problem you're in, get out of it. And so they did. And so by night they went to Bria. And when they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. Same thing. They do it over and over again. You'll see this pattern repeated. But they were more fair-minded than those of Thessalonica. In that they received the word with all readiness and search the Scriptures daily to find out whether the things were so. So just as Paul had reasoned with the church at Thessalonica for three days, he reasoned now with the Bereans, and the Bereans took it upon themselves to go study the Scripture. Hey, they're telling me a lot of things about this Jesus that maybe the Old Testament is in fact really talking about, so let's go check this out. And so it says that They received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out if these things were so. Therefore, many of them believed. Also, not a few Greeks, prominent women as well as men. So we find uh, the same similar group of people being saved at Thessalonica as being saved here. But when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was preached by Paul at Berea... They came there also and stirred up the crowds. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) This should be encouraging to all of us. No good deed goes unpunished. (laughs) The devil will come after you if you're doing anything. Again, who is it that's bringing the charges against somebody obviously doing something for God? It's people who claim to know God. Get the pattern? It's still here today. Then immediately the brethren sent Paul away. To go to the sea, both Silas and Timothy remained there. And so those who conducted Paul brought him to Athens and receiving a commandment for Silas and Timothy to come to him with all speed, they departed. I'm going to stop here for tonight. We find that Paul, always on the move. He would share his faith, and he would move on. He was there to follow up as well. So as he wrote, 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians, it was that he, though he couldn't be there in person, he cared about them so that he could check and see on how well they were doing and growing in the faith. You see, they had the Old Testament scriptures. The Bible in the Old Testament speaks of Jesus on just about every page in some way. And so understanding that and entrusting them to the Holy Spirit, he allowed God to raise them, you might say, in his ways. So Paul then, running for his life again, comes to Athens. Athens was an interesting place. We're going to talk about that next week. Because Athens was a place where there was a lot of religious ideas. In fact, they had this place called Mars Hill. And at this place called Mars Hill, there was a bunch of people that got together, probably a lot like a coffee shop in Seattle, And they would get together and drink their lattes and discuss religious things. I'm being a little facetious here, but I'm saying they would get together and on this hill, they would just do nothing but just discuss religion and philosophy and things like this. Different patterns that you would live your life by. And by the way, they're still here today, friends. We have the Epicureans, we have the Stoics. That's what they were called in the Bible, but we have them different today. We use different names. Epicureans say life, the definition of life, party on. Epicurean delight, if it feels good, do it. That's the Epicurean idea. The Stoics, on the other hand, was a different group of people. They were a little more sad, a little more somber. Uh, they believed that everything was predestined. There was nothing you could do to change it. If you were predestined to get hit by a train, you're going to get hit by a train. The only thing you could maybe change is how you feel about getting hit by the train, but other than that, you know, that's just the way it was. That's the Stoic philosophy. And we find that in our thoughts today. We listen to some of the lyrics in rock and roll. It's, it's, um, it's all about that. In fact, you listen to some of the old songs. Doris Day wrote a song years ago called Whatever Will Be Will Be, The Future's Not Ours to See, Que Sera, sera. That's Stoic. And by the way, if you once you understand this, we'll talk about, about this more next week because it's pretty interesting. Once you can identify, you might say, the ingredients of Stoic philosophy, once you identify the ingredients of Epicurean philosophy, which was in the Bible, at Mars Hill, at Athens, you'll see that people haven't changed very much. It's still predominantly the two ways that people live if you're not a Christian. Because you'll either live for the pleasure, and we'll talk about it. See, now there's some problems in living for pleasure. We'll get into this more next week. But there's a lot of problems in living for pleasure. You know why? Because when you live for pleasure, if you pleasure yourself long enough, whatever that may be, you'll get bored with it. Hmm, That's a problem, isn't it? You see, if you've never rode a motorcycle before, and you get to ride a Honda 50, it's a lot more fun than a bicycle. But after you ride the Honda 50 for a little bit, somebody comes by and says, look at this Yamaguchi 90. And you go, ooh, that's nice. You might have had a Hodaka, Road Toad, or Dirt Squirt, or some other name like that. And you go, ooh, that's neat. A lot faster than a Honda 50. Then somebody comes by with a 250 and a 300, and then we get into the indulgence. Harley. Whoa. And everybody knows about Harleys. Harleys are a lot like Hoover vacuum cleaners. A lot of people don't know that. They're very similar. The difference between a Harley and a Hoover vacuum cleaner is the Hoover vacuum cleaner has a dirt bag on the inside. Sorry. We'll talk more about Stoic and Epicurean next week. Father, thank you for your word. We ask you, God, that your Holy Spirit would give us your wisdom as we live our lives, as we study your word. God, that we understand that we indeed need to turn the world upside down. And so may we have your heart. And may you bless. And may you cause us to be more like you. And so, Father, we love you and we thank you. May you continue to open our eyes to the truths of your word and understand, God, these things are to encourage us today. In Jesus' name,
1: amen. Thanks for joining us on It's Time as Pastor Mike teaches verse-by-verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening.